All right, hallelujah. Let me see all the Itaewon people. Where are all the Itaewon people today? If you're from Itaewon, please raise your hand. Okay, all right. Uh, we have a lot of the Itaewon people missing. There's about 20-something people that are taking the membership class today from Itaewon. So I guess half of them weren't able to show. Hopefully they'll be able to make it in time for the class. But for those who are joining us from Itaewon today, once again, we want to welcome you. Uh, maybe this is your first time worshiping with us here at Hillside. Uh, we are one big family. And so... Uh, we hope that the things that you see and observe going on here at Hillside, you recognize that this is not just a Hillside campus thing. This is a new Philadelphia church family thing. Amen? Yes. So everything that you see here, it is for you. It is your inheritance. It is your DNA. It is your identity. All right. Last night, our church, we had a wonderful time at our annual Thanksgiving banquet and talent show. Uh, once again, I want to apologize to those who weren't able to make it or uh, those who uh, could not get a ticket because we were sold out. Uh, we capped it out at 180, and we did give, give priority to those who are currently on membership with our church first. Um, uh, regardless, we hope that through the pictures and videos and things that you see on Facebook, you can uh, uh, kind of catch, catch up on what really took place last night. It was a little bit wild. Uh, special thanks to Taylor Hankins and Sarah Wong for doing an awesome job. They were emceeing. Sarah Wong had her red lipstick on. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. They, you got you got to check out some of the videos people posted. They were a riot. Um, I also want to give uh, some special thanks to people that were uh, involved in preparations for last night. They were kind of behind the scenes. Uh, first, we want to, of course, always thank John Westfall and the tech team for holding it all down last night. Good job, man. Good job. Uh, the service team with all the setup and cleanup headed out by Hewan. <laughs> Sister Hewan. She wants to thank you. Our sister Sarah Boyle came up with some very creative decorations, decorated all of our tables. Awesome job. And I don't think many people know, but our banquet coordinator coordinated many things, including the talent show, was our sister Semi. So let's just thank our sister Semi. Where are you? All right. Yeah. We just want to thank everybody who was involved. And of course, I always want to thank my sister again because she, she was up in that kitchen. She was governing that kitchen. Let's just thank my sister for all the wonderful food preparations. So, yeah, we had a wonderful time, and um, we had a talent show. Yeah, it was, it was fun. It was fun. I mean, Brian Wee did his annual, his annual dance, which seems to get shorter and shorter each year. Uh, you got to hit the gym, you hung. And we have some very creative um, people who wrote their own songs. Uh, Janine uh, followed up with a wonderful sophomore debut of her spoken word, as well as Marcus dropping it with a powerful, one of the most powerful spoken words I've heard him, heard him do. He does it regularly, and he's actually really good at it. Um, he did a wonderful job. Um, my sister, uh, Birdie, was playing the cello after only three months of uh, learning it. And uh, she got up there and ambitiously uh, led the uh, band in some bossa nova, which personally I appreciate because I, I love Brazilian jazz. And then uh, 
And Nina came up and sang uh, in what sounded like Portuguese. Her pronunciation, you know, as a, as a Korean native, she really works on the Portuguese. And uh, she makes it sound really genuine. She did an awesome job. Uh, you guys know that she uh, does concerts and things like that. Uh, show your love toward her when you, when you do see her. Anyway, it was a fun family affair. And so I just want to encourage everybody. Uh, hopefully next year we'll either get a bigger venue. I think we're, we're going to really try to rent out some hotel or something. We did try that this year. But the hotels were insisting that they needed to cater to food, which defeats the whole purpose. Because they don't provide turkey at a hotel. It's just like kalbitang or something. You know? So, yeah. Um, so, we're going to keep praying into that. Hopefully, we'll find favor with some hotel will, that will do that for us. Today's membership class. Uh, we have about 45 uh, people taking membership class. And uh, our sister Jen just uh, designed a new membership packet. And so, yeah, it's uh, full color bleeds and all our materials in there. Those who are fairly photogenic, you have made it, you may have made it into this packet. Caleb went in there because somebody else was photogenic in the same picture. All right, so uh, be sure to check it out. Um, if you really want a copy, you can ask us, and, and we, we, would, uh, we wouldn't mind giving you a copy. So just ask us. It's, uh, you have to fill in the blanks from your membership notes uh, because all the answers are not in here. Uh, but we will be using this into the new year as we continue to... Uh, add sons and daughters into this house and bring people out of nakedness and into covering with the local church. Last week, I wasn't at church. It wasn't because I was uh, playing hooky or, or skipping out on church or anything like that. I was traveling in Philadelphia. As you guys know, many of you know, I, I've been on a 40-day fast. And my fast ended on November the 20th. And the big reason why I was fasting this long, which is something I don't normally partake in, uh, is because God inspired and moved upon my heart uh, to fast and pray for my dad, who is not a believer. And so, yeah, I've been, I've been praying into it. And in the spirit of Malachi chapter 4, verse Six, um, where God says, I will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and children to their fathers. Uh, I decided, well, I'm not going to wait for my father to turn his heart toward me. I'm going to turn my heart toward him and I'm going to trust that the Lord's going to turn his heart toward me. Because Pastor Sam Song has shared a message when he came in September about where the fathers couldn't take the sons we are in an age where the sons are going to take the fathers. And so I believe that what I did was a powerfully faith-filled and prophetic act. And so I flew out there on Friday. And I was only there for four days. And the worst part of it all was I couldn't eat. Uh, and even when I broke my fast on the second to last day I was there, I still couldn't eat other than uh, my mom's takju, uh, chicken porridge. I really couldn't eat cheesesteaks and pretzels and Rita's water ice and tasty cakes, you know. All the stuff that, you know, Philadelphians are known to be fat for, you know. <laughs> and Philadelphia was named the fattest city in, the, uh, in America at one point. And that's no lie. But yeah, man, I couldn't eat any of that. So that, you know, you can see the cost that I was paying. <laughs> anyway, but I, w I just want to sum it up uh, what took place. Pretty much uh, on November the 20th, my sister happened to be in Philadelphia as well for another trip. And so we just kind of overlapped some time. Met up with my dad on the 19th, spent some time together. And then on the 20th, I planned to do my confession and to turn my heart toward him and to ask for his blessing. Now, I know he's not a Christian, but I still 
to ask for his blessing. I knew that God would use it in a powerful way to open up his heart. And for much of my life, I despised his blessing. I didn't think I wanted his blessing. I didn't need his blessing. I could care less about his blessing. But through this 40-day fast, God was turning my heart. Saying, no, he is your father. If you will turn your heart toward him, it's going to be a mighty breakthrough for you. And so on the 20th, before we had to drive my sister up to the airport, we're hanging out at my dad's place. And before we left, I asked him if I could read to him a note that I had prepared. I had written it in English and I had it translated. And so you know what? Just because yesterday when I was sharing with the leaders, it didn't flow so well. I'm just going to go ahead and read the note. Okay. It's not that intimate. But I'll read the note. It's really simple. Uh, It goes like this. Dear Abaji, dear father. This is all in Korean when I read it to him. The reason I flew out to Philadelphia this weekend was to see you. There was no other really uh, reason but to see you and share my heart with you. I first of all want to confess that I realized that I've been a bad son to you for many years. I'm sorry that I haven't learned the Korean language better. I'm sorry I wasn't there for you when you were got into your accidents, when you were hospitalized. I didn't visit. I didn't call. I'm sorry that I've treated you like a stranger and that I hardly ever call you. I'm sorry for not being a better son to you and for failing to truly love you. And for all of this, I wanted to ask for your forgiveness. Next paragraph. 아버지, 제가 지난 세월 동안 못된 아이 들었다는 걸 못된 아이 아들이 아들이었다는 걸 깨달았어요. 한국말 공부도 제대로 안안 했어 죄송하고요. 아빠 사고 나셨을 때 거기 목 있어 드리고 병원에도 못 가봤어 죄송한 죄송해요. 아버지인데 모르는 사람처럼 대하고 전화도 거의 안 걸었던 거 죄송해요. 더 좋은 아들이 못 되드리고 아버지를 진심으로 사랑하지 못했던 세월에 대해서 사과 드리고 싶어요. 그리고 이 모든 것에 대해서 아버지의 용서를 구하고 싶어요. So that was the Korean version of my previous paragraph. I'm not going to do that for all the paragraphs. Hey, by the way, it flowed much better. And there was an anointing on me. Right now, man, I, just, I can't even stumble through it. Anyway, the next paragraph I, I read to him, I said, Also, I know I've never asked this of you. But I want to ask for your blessing. You are my father. And I'm your son. And I would like to receive your blessing. Because it will mean a lot to me. As I'm about to start a family of my own, I would love to receive your blessing. Father, can you lay your hands on my head and bless me? Bless me in my health, my marriage, my finances, everything that I do. If you give me your blessing, I will be so happy. Father, I know you don't like Christianity. And I know that you've seen many corrupt pastors. So it must be hard for you to see me serving as a pastor. But I just wanted to say that I think you'd be proud of the things your son is doing. There are some pretty amazing testimonies at my church. Aaron and I minister in Korea and in many different countries, and we've seen lots of fruit. We've seen multitudes of people healed of disease, healed of emotional wounds, and healed of demonic oppression. God uses us to give people hope, freedom, and a new beginning. It is beautiful. And I've come on this trip asking God to give me a new beginning with you. I love you, Father. I think you're Mushisa. <laughs> Persevering, passionate, gifted, and full of charisma. And I thank God for giving me such an incredible father. Your son. 
And there was a little bit of a pause. And then my dad got to his feet. And then he said, all right, how do we do this? And uh, I mentioned in here that, would you lay your hands on my head and bless me? And so I just took one knee. And then my dad laid his hands on my head. And he proclaimed the blessing over me. Uh, you know, it was powerful. Uh, I didn't really, I wasn't sure what to expect. You know, my dad is from Tegu. Uh, men from Tegu are fairly unemotionless. Uh, they're very emotionless. They're expressionless. Uh, it's not a loving thing, they think, to ex- wear your heart on your sleeve and things like that. And so I wasn't even sure what he, how he would respond. Um, but yeah, I noticed that, you know, when I was reading the note, he was really um, just taking it all in. And when he got up and I took a knee, I, he laid his hand on my head and he blessed me. And Aaron had actually, Pastor Aaron had seen a vision. And she wrote me an email and she said that when she was praying for me, uh, she saw a vision of my dad. Uh, laying his hand on my head and blessing me. And I was like, really? Is that going to happen on this trip? Or is it going to be something in the future? But I just felt like the Lord calling me to press in. On this trip, you're going to receive your dad's blessing. Um, And so, yeah, uh, it was a, there was this moment when I was, when his head touched my, when his hand touched my head, I, I just had this moment where I couldn't believe, wow, my wife was right. <laughs> That's what I thought. And then I hear my sister's iPhone go, <laughs> she, she doesn't know about covering up the sound hole, I guess. And she took a picture, and uh, I'm, I'm kind of glad she did because it was a special moment. I was able to capture it. Later on, when we saw the picture, we noticed that my dad's eyes were closed. Uh, you know, he really took it seriously. And one of the reasons is because uh, he had an estrangement with his dad. He was having a strife with his dad when uh, suddenly his dad passed away when he was younger. And so my grandfather passed away fairly early, and... My dad described that he went to that funeral and he looked over that grave and there was something that died inside of him, he said. Because he wanted so much uh, to be reconciled to his dad or at least to just talk to his dad one more time before his dad passed away. And so, um, you know, what I did, I believe, you know, really was meaningful to him because of his own story with his dad. Um, so anyway, on the drive uh, down from Newark Airport down to Philadelphia, which is about a two-hour drive, uh, I, had a, I was a little bit nervous. I wasn't sure how thing, what the dynamic would be, what the punigi would be like. Um, but it ended up being wonderful. His heart was turning toward me. Uh, he opened up to me about things that he had never opened up to me about. Uh, he was really sharing from his heart. And the more I heard him out, the more I realized that God's already been really moving in his heart. And that he's not so crazily deluded and wicked and sinful, you know, that I always thought him to be. Uh, He actually has a great passion for justice, for truth. Um, My dad is uh, also a very powerful public speaker. I was like, Dad, you're a powerful public speaker. And he's like, <laughs> he used to uh, do a lot of drama. And so, yeah, I believe that God's going to redeem all those things. And he's going to turn my dad's heart uh, and awaken him and revive him. And one thing that we share in common is we both hate religion. We both hate religious spirits, people that are rigid and stiff Christians that give Christ a bad name. You know what I'm talking about? 
Pharisaic people that do all the right things, that have the appearance of godliness, but deny the power there within. My dad hates such people. It's one of the reasons why he pushes away Christianity. But I think he's in a dilemma because his son uh, is leading a ministry that is clearly different from the things that he observed growing up. And so I believe that all of you, you guys are the written letters that my dad is able to see and read. And it's undeniable proof to him that God is real. So as we continue uh, moving forward, I believe that we were, our, our church community here uh, is a shining light to him. Uh, that God is truly real. And that God's love is real. So anyway, I, I just want to thank everybody for praying with me. If you didn't pray with me, God bless you still. God bless you double if you fasted with me. And there's a bunch of people that just jumped in and fasted with me. I saw Myungha at Torch this week. And I couldn't recognize her because she, she, she had lost so much weight. And uh, <laughs> no, she did. She was, I don't mean to call you out, but she did like a seven-day water fast. And then she, she ended it at the Breakthrough Conference when I spoke on Thursday. And so, uh, you know, she's really walking in sonship. And, uh, man, that just, uh, like, inspired me to be a better son to Pastor Benjamin on a whole different level. <laughs> so, anyway, you guys inspire me uh, to walk in greater sonship. So, I just want to really bless all the sons and daughters of this house. And uh, it's such a joy to serve you all. All right, I'm going to try to go ahead and preach my message within 30 minutes. No, within 15 minutes. Okay, believe in me here. All right, here we go. If you're ready for the message, say yeah. Yeah. 2008, the theme of our church for the year was... From Isaiah 43, 19, behold, I'm doing a new thing. It was the year of new things. People experienced new things in their personal lives, as well as we saw many new things in the life of the church. In 2009, the theme of the year came from Revelation chapter 3, verse 8. I know your works. Behold, I set before you an open door that no one can shut. 2009 was the year of open doors. The key of David was being placed upon our shoulders. And the doors that were being opened that year, God promised they will never shut. There were doors that were being closed. And God promised they will never open again. And so it was a powerful year in 2009. 2010 was the year of epic faith. It was one of the hardest years we've ever walked through. Uh, there were so many church events. We were tested, stretched to our limits. Some people wanted to quit somewhere along the middle of the year. But as a church community, we all pushed forward. And it was indeed a year in which God increased our capacity to believe. To believe Him for greater things. 2011, this year, has been the year of intimacy. I didn't really have a good Bible verse for this year. So anyway, the theme itself is so powerful and potent. We don't really need to have a particular Bible verse for it. It's all over the Bible. The whole Bible talks about intimacy. So, yeah, the whole Bible supports the theme for this year. It's been the year of intimacy. It's been really wonderful. I prophesied at the beginning of the year that there will be many marriages. And in December, by the end of the year, there will have been five marriages here in this house amongst key leaders i think that's fairly significant uh, before this uh, nobody was really getting married <laughs> but i believe that these doors are opening wide but if you don't have a call or you don't have a desire to be married that's okay too that is a powerful gift that god gives to some and if that's you we want to create an environment where you can be honored where you don't have to constantly be stigmatized or pressured into getting married. 
So yeah, that's the themes from 2008 till 2011. Let me quickly share a prophecy that Jason Ma made in November 30th of 2010. So a year ago, exactly a year ago, Jason Ma made this prophecy. He said that 2010 was the year of testing for many in the body of Christ. And then he said 2011 will be a year of transition for both the church and the world. And for those who have proven faithful through these tests and have chosen to be wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord, 2012 will be a year of completion for many in the body of Christ. The year of transition will bring them into a place of completion. 12 is biblically symbolic for government, as in the 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 apostles that Jesus chose. 12 is also a biblical symbol for completion, as in 12 months of the year. Complete the year. Well, I believe that New Philly has been in alignment with the calendar and timing of heaven. Amen. And I believe the year of intimacy for us has been indeed a transition year. It's been transitioning us into being made ready and complete to govern what I believe is the theme of the new year. Y'all ready for this? Listen here. A theme of the new year, which I believe the Lord has placed upon my heart and He has borne witness to over the last fifty、uh, days, forty-something days.、Uh, 2012 is the year of increase. And I believe everything that we need to receive the increase is in place. Here's my proof. God took about three years to build up a strong membership covenant and community here. We started in June 9, 2009, just a few years ago, with 68 brand new members of the church. We only had one campus, and today we have 185 members of, on, with, with church membership at two campuses. And there are about 45 more people taking membership today.、And、so to go from 68 to 185 plus, as we as we close out this year, I believe that God has built up a strong church community that is ready to receive increase. Also, over the past three years, God has established a strong group of 137 mature and upcoming leaders, many who have walked out their healing and deliverance, meaning that. They are healthy emotionally. They follow the Bible. They actually pray when they say they will pray. They strive for purity, and they receive accountability to make sure that they do so. We have in place structures that create an environment of safety and trust and accountability here. Also, in 2010, God established a solid group of core leaders, and also nine core values that makes our church distinct. Also, in that same year, God established Pastor Benjamin as my spiritual father, which has prepared the way for the spirit of sonship to be loosed into this house. Before that, it was simply a theory; it was simply a teaching. But with Pastor Benjamin, because kingdom advances through relationship, in relationship with him, sonship was to be established in me. And once that was established in me, I was able to establish it in y'all. In 2011, God really built up the intimacy of the house. I don't know if you've noticed, but intimacy here has increased by uprooting lies, breaking the orphan spirit. And establishing the spirit of sonship, and I noticed that since the teaching on sonship has gone out, there has been an increased level of trust and intimacy amongst the staff, the core, and even across the entire house. That's because sonship brings about an environment, an atmosphere of family. When the spirit of sonship is established, people relate to each other in the spirit rather than the flesh, 
People no longer get so easily offended. They no longer take things personally so fast. They put their minds on the things of the spirit and they shift into the spirit rather than stay in the flesh. As a result of sonship, mutual sonship being established in the house. I believe the last three and a half years have prepared us for this time. And as Vicky Porterfield prophesied in December of 2009, if the growth happens without the foundation, the church will lose its sense of call and identity. But over that time, we have built the foundation. God has built that foundation. We have the relationships, and I believe that in the new year, we are going to experience a great increase. On October 11th, the day before my 40-day fast, I was inquiring of the Lord for the theme of 2012. And I heard the Lord whisper the word increase into my ears. And so I did a Bible search and I came across this passage. Turn to Jeremiah 29, verse 5 through 7. Jeremiah 29, verses 5 through 7. This is real good. Look at verse 5. Uh, I'll read the verse 5. You guys take the next verse and so on. And, and uh, we'll read verse 7 together. Verse 5. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Altogether, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will also, you will find your welfare. Sorry. Okay. In the NIV, it says, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you. Remember ESV, they have an aversion to the word prosperity. So they have effectively removed it. When this word here in the Hebrew is shalom. Shalom does not just mean peace. Shalom is an all-encompassing word. Okay? It can often be translated as prosperity. Um, it says here in the NIV, Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. I believe this passage is a word for this house at this time. First of all, I believe that God is calling us to pray for the peace and prosperity of this city. I believe if it wasn't for key people of God, the remnant of His church that is interceding and fasting and praying, if such a remnant was not residing in the city, this city would have been destroyed long ago. It's personally what I believe. It's not like we had a lack of threats. And I believe that God is calling us to continue to pray for the peace and prosperity of this very key major metropolis, the city of Seoul, which is going to play a key role in these next 20, 30 years in global leadership, in global economy. Because if this city prospers... The Lord is promising us, you too will prosper. Now, some of you, uh, for the Israelites here, uh, to pray for the peace and prosperity of the city in which they were carried into exile was unprecedented. It was something unusual that God would ask of his people. Pray for the peace and prosperity of of these people that have held you captive. There are these people that are oppressing you. You know, it's unheard of. How can we pray for the peace and prosperity of these oppressors? But that's exactly what God causes people to do here in Jeremiah 29. Now, some of you may have had such a negative experience here in Korea 
that the last thing you want to do is pray for the peace and prosperity of Seoul. To pray for the peace and prosperity of the Korean people. As far as you are concerned, the Korean people are your enemy. They have withheld your paycheck. They have changed the terms of your contract. They have pushed you around the subways far too frequently. I can't do that. I can't pray for the peace and prosperity of this people. And if that's you, I give you the words of Jesus, which almost verbatim comes from Jeremiah 29. Jesus says in Matthew 5, 44, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who keep delaying your paycheck. Pray for those who are elbowing you, even when there's plenty of space on the bus. <laughs> Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. It's very similar to Jeremiah 29, uh, because this is, I believe, the words of our Lord. Now, I want to talk about for a moment a commitment to the city that I believe is inherent in our calling and identity. And something maybe I haven't really talked about publicly, but I want to do it today. New Philadelphia Church, if you look on our church logo, you will notice what looks like a city skyline. If you didn't know, that's what it is. Okay, And the reason why there is a city skyline, and it's not a particular city, I think it might be Chicago actually, Chicago and the Empire State Building and I don't know what Marcus did. He kind of mixed it up. reason why there is a city sky, sky scene on the um, logo is because our church has a commitment to the city. And I need to spell that out today. Because as this city prospers, the cost of living here will also go up. Now, that doesn't really affect me. Because I've lived in New York City. Okay? New York City is as expensive as it gets. Japan might be a little more. Tokyo might be a little bit more expensive. But New York City is pretty bad as well. And Seoul, it's getting up there. But, you know, it's not quite there yet. So, you know, it doesn't really faze me. But for some of you who come from Des Moines, Iowa. Or, um, you know, Syosset, New York. No, I was kidding. <laughs> Oklahoma, <laughs> Togo, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> South Dakota. Anyway, wherever you're from, if you're from a small town and you have to come into the city of Seoul and pay $500 a month in rent, $700 a month in rent, you might just be like, man, I can't do this. I need to go to the suburbs. I need to go to at least Irsan, Pundang, Sangdo, Songdo. Or is it Sangdo or Songdo? Songdo, I always forget the name. Why? Because rent's way cheaper and you can get a much bigger place there. But if you are ever tempted in that way, let me rebuke you. I want every son and daughter to get this in your head. Now, I know for some of you who commute here, praise the Lord. You guys travel for the anointing. You guys travel because you're hungry for more of God. And you also travel because your local church services are something else. Uh, no matter how much the cost of living gets high here. Check this out. Refuse to move out of the city. Be committed to the city. Every major church, every church plant that we do from now on, my commitment is to only go to the cities. I printed out a list of the top 20 fastest growing cities in the world. You know where they're all in? What country? They're all in China. So in about 10, you know, they're still fairly small, but you know, as they grow bigger, 10, 15 years, we're going to have to learn Chinese and some Chinese speaking you know, sons and daughters over there because these cities are, are, are growing and they're growing fast. But 
for now, the other metropolises that have not been possessed by the people of God, that are not being preserved by the remnant of God, are cities like Tokyo. Cities like, I know God's moving strong, powerfully in Indonesia, but even Jakarta needs a stronger presence of God's people. Uh, there are other cities, Hong Kong, there are already some ministries there that are doing some good works. But I'm telling you right now, these major cities, and India as well, so the f- biggest cities in the world, they're in India. New Delhi, where we go from time to time. I believe one day we're going to have to establish a new Philly in New Delhi. We'll have to call it New Philly. No, we'll call it like... I, I, okay, I won't go there. Oh, man, all right. Okay, so yeah. Man, I might have to end it here. I'm already out of time. Okay. So yeah, we need to keep our commitment to live in the city. Because when you start thinking, I got to move to the suburbs because the cost of living here is too high. That reflects more on your lack of faith than it does on your economic sense. Because you are telling God, God, you don't have the ability. I don't trust you enough. To provide for me so that I can stay right in the middle of this influential center. If you notice, wherever Apostle Paul went, where did he go? He went to the cities. Why? Because if you reach the city, you can reach a nation. If you can influence the arts, you can influence the government, you can influence the businesses of a city. That's when the whole nation can be changed. That's when the whole nation can be blessed. And so right now, I want y'all to get it out of your system. No suburbs here. Now, it's not, I, I, I got love for the, you know, actually, I don't got much love for the suburbs. <laughs> I never lived in the suburbs all my life. I, I, I never really lived in the suburbs. Even like living in Fort Lee and, and commuting, you know, I, I, I saw myself really living in New York City. But even me doing that, you know, I don't, I, don't ever do that. Everybody be committed to live in this city. I don't care if you have to stay in a small little apartment. You stay in that small little apartment and you pray it up in that small little apartment and you step out and you're right in the city. I know there's nice, you know, Pundang subway line opening up, all that stuff. No. (laughs) Stay in the city. Be committed to the city because God loves the city. He's the God of the city. When God, in the book of Revelation, brings the new Jerusalem, what is it? It's a city. When God establishes people in the original Jerusalem, it was a city. Now, God is a God who loves the city. And I think Mark Driscoll has got it right on, you know. Uh, You know, we need to really renew our commitment as a people of God. Stop being so scared of the liberalism, whatever we find in the city. We need to confront these demonic forces. We need to confront these ideas and mindsets. And we, need, we have to believe that greater is he who is in us than who, he who is in the city. No matter how much corrupt business practices are going on, it's nothing for the anointing of the power of the Holy Spirit. It's nothing for the truth that can divide and set people free. So I'm going to have to continue to preach this next week because I'm out of time. So... We, I, be, I believe first we need to seek the peace and prosperity of the city. The Lord has called us at this hour to pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. I believe practical ways in which you can really pray for the city. We have the joint prayer meeting. Let me just say something about the joint prayer meeting. The commitment of many people here for the joint prayer meeting is far too low. Compared to the calling that God has placed upon it. The joint prayer meeting is not a gathering of fellowship. It's not a time for you to come and see your friends. It's not even a time for you to come and just praise and worship and feel good about yourself and be built up in your Christianity. The primary role of the joint prayer meeting, which is just a once a month prayer meeting. If there was a once a month barbecue, you will be on it. 
Well, let me tell you, this is a barbecue of a different sort. Because the aroma that rises from this barbecue, it is pleasing in the nostrils of the Lord. It, you know, you ever smell a good barbecue? You want to dance. You know, be like, oh man, I, I just want to eat. Joint prayer meeting every month. We are lifting up incense before the Lord. That is pleasing to him. It is our way. Together. Now individually. You are to pray for a city. But together there is even more power. When we come together. K1. The kingdom first prayer tabernacle. Is another place where you can go. With less time constraints. More space. For you to simply have intimacy and minister to the Lord. You know, I was trying to sum up what is K1 Prayer Tabernacle all about. I believe it's real simple. I, I, I could sum it up like this, and I might go with this. It is to bless his heart and to pray his heart. That's it. It's to bless his heart and to pray his heart. So you don't go there primarily just to do something. You, I mean, yeah, you do. And what you do is you minister to him. You don't go there to get something checked off your checklist. You go there to minister to him, to bless his heart. And then out of that place, you get a revelation of his heart and you pray his heart. And you pray, Lord, your will be done. Your kingdom come into the city as it is in heaven. And I'm committed to the 98-minute service. I'm going to close it right here. Okay? And I'm going to have to continue preaching this in three weeks because next week, Pastor Robert Daniels, uh, Pastor Benjamin, my mentor's mentor, so my kind of my spiritual grandfather, is going to be right here in Korea and he is going to come and he's going to minister to us. And let me tell you right now, get your appetites ready because this man is on a whole nother level. He is so whole another level, all right? He will say things that will go right past you unless you're ready to catch it. You know, you know like how those baseball fans at the baseball game that are all the way in the back and they have their gloves? What are they doing? They're ready to catch something. Whatever flies their way, they're ready to catch it. They don't care if they hurt somebody else, they're going to catch it. They don't care if they drop their daughter, they're going to catch it. <laughs> what was that? Was that in China? What was that video I saw of? There was, this, there was this father that dropped uh, his daughter while he was trying to catch a baseball. And then the, the wife was right next to him. And she was like, oh, my. No, you didn't. You did not drop our daughter. And for like 30 minutes, she was just like that. Anyway, uh, we got to be ready to catch it. Because there's going to be revelation bombs. Pastor Robert Daniels, he's not your popular type speaker. He's not here to please the crowd. But when he comes, man, he has bombs. And so I believe that this is a wonderful environment in which we're going to pull the anointing out of him. We're going to pull out the revelations, the deepest revelations he's been uh, meditating over in these recent weeks. And he has been praying for us. Very intimately, he has been, he has been concerned and praying for us. He's covering us. So he's going to have some key words to speak for us. So I'm really excited to have him. On Friday, we're going to have Pastor Benjamin preach and minister. So be there at Friday Fire if you don't want to miss out on Pastor Benjamin's ministry. And then you know that next weekend we have School World Mission with Pastor Sonny. All right. And that is a curriculum. Uh, we have about 100 plus people that are registered for that and paid. It is 15,000 Korean won. Uh, it's open to the general public. If you're a member of the church, member or leader, member of the church, it's only 10,001, all right? Uh, get this curriculum. It is going to strengthen and bring increase to our missions ministry as well. Now, she has a master's in missiology from Fuller. Uh, she not only, she's not one of those missiology master's degree holding people that stay in their office, okay? She goes to the prisons of Mexico, the prisons of, where was it, Guatemala? Man, she's been to so many prisons. And most, you know, 
The only other person I could think of who is a female and goes to prisons is Pastor Benjamin's mother. Man, she's gangster too. And if she does healing and deliverance ministry, you get healed and delivered on that day, on that hour. There's no questions asked. Um, anyway, Pastor Sunny, man, she's gangster. And she, she has the practical experience uh, from which the word that she has received is, is really living. So it's going to be a powerful time. I want to encourage everybody to get your fill. Uh, and I will continue to preach this message three weeks from now. I can't preach the week after because Pastor Aaron's going to be preaching. I'm going to be having finals. And uh, the week after that, I will continue. This is a powerful message that will speak into our upcoming year. It is the year of increase. Amen. I can't tell if you guys are clapping because you're excited or you're clapping because I actually committed to ending the sermon. All right. Okay. Let me pray. Let me, let me end it. Let me stop talking about it and end it. <laughs> Father, we just thank you, God, for bringing this house through the various seasons these past four years. Some of those seasons have been tough. These seasons have been filled with great joy, but also heartache, misunderstanding, and betrayal. But Father, we thank you that within the sons and daughters of this house, there has been an abundance of grace and forgiveness. And we thank you that among the leaders here, although we all have our differences and all we all have our different personalities, Our pursuit is to love each other. Our pursuit is to work together in peace. And Father, it is so amazing that a harsh, choleric like me that is pretty hard to work with, so many people are, so many people are willing to work with, so many people are patient enough to embrace me through all of these weaknesses. Uh, I just thank you, God, that it is not by my strength that the church has been solidly, um, firmly grounded. Uh, But, Lord, it is by your wisdom. It is by your spirit. It is by your leading. So, God, we are just so thankful, and we give you all the praise. Now, prepare our hearts. We thank you that Pastor Robert uh, Daniel's message next week is going to prepare us to receive more of this message for the new year. Pastor Benjamin's message is going to speak prophetically for the new year. Pastor Sonny's teaching is also going to position us for the year of increase. Pastor Aaron's message in the next two weeks is also going to position us for increase. And so, Father, we thank you for the year of intimacy. And, God, we brace ourselves for the great increase that will come in 2012. May we trust Not what we see, but what you have said. In Jesus' name, amen.